what is really the role of sales in a sales assist motion then? And to me, it's like, you're really playing that role of storyteller, of educator. You're still playing a very consultative role, but to me, it's it's really value alignment, right? You're selling on is what they what they need, what we actually do. And you have to really be able to have the technical aptitude to speak to that. And so I think it also shifts, at least for me, it has, shifts the people that we look to hire in our sales teams as well too. Hey everyone, George Soto here and you're watching the product-led revenue show. Uh, today, I'm joined by Mara Willeman, who is director of product-led sales at TrustPage. Mara, like, I just am am so excited to see this title emerge. You know, given that we are product-led uh, growth nuts over here at Reprise. But like it's finally time, right? That we've we've actually started to double down on this. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me. And, and for what it's worth, I've been following y'all's journey very closely over the course of the last few years and really always appreciate the way that you all are contributing to this narrative. It's a really fun time to join the conversation too. Um, when we were thinking about what is my role at this company, what is the title that we want to assign to the work that I'm doing? Um, it turns out it's a yes, newer title. It's making a little bit more of a flash in the scene. Um, but it really does feel like an ideal time to come forward with this title because it reflects the type of process we're building. And so, yeah, I've actually had a lot of people reach out and say, oh, I've not heard that one yet. And other people at organizations saying, oh, I'm going to take this to my board. So it's a fun one to have. And overarchingly, I would say we wanted a title that accurately reflected what we were building and the way that we were building it. And uh, yeah, PLG sales is, uh, is the way that we're doing that. Fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about how you got into PLG sales and what is it? Because I know a lot of folks are trying to figure it out. That's a great question. So I would say that I was thinking about this this morning, actually, that my journey into PLG sales actually happened almost by accident. So I was a part of a marketing technology company um, for nearly six and a half years. And in that process, it was the exact opposite. It was enterprise sales um, meets, you know, old school, sign a contract, they get passed off to success. They're never in the product. You're demoing an experience and selling them on an ideal of what it could be. And over the course of doing that, I basically scaled our enterprise solutions team. So accidentally, I was playing enterprise sales rep and enterprise solutions engineering. And what I learned in that process was that if I could really educate my buyer early on, it helped my close rates. It really became how can I make my buyer really aware of everything they would need to know in order to actualize this solution? And how can I be forthright and be really technical minded around speaking to that? So naturally, um, my now CEO was a, a coworker I worked with at said company. We started this organization around a lot of the pain points we felt around communicating security in that sales process. And then in this company knew that 
we really needed to approach the market in a way that made it easy for buyers to adopt our product. So long story short, um, we I came on board actually as the head of growth. And that was really as we were defining what are our go-to-market motions, what's the way that we want to roll this product out. And as we started to really gain a lot more learnings around what are the sales conversations and what are the right sales conversations to be having alongside creating a product that could actually drive someone through an entire self-serve experience, the sales process naturally layered itself on. And so we started to build these sales-assisted motions. And so what's actually been really cool to watch is the conversations started to mold into really almost onboarding conversations in the sales Mm -hmm. process. So the way I think about sales assist is I still have a lot of the sales fundamentals, right? I'm getting on, I'm asking a lot of the sales driving questions. I'm I'm uncovering pain points. I'm learning why somebody is exploring the solution. What can we help them solve for? But to me, I'm really using the product now to drive that awareness and education. So what we found is even between the calls that we're having, companies are actually getting into our product. They're doing all of these product behaviors and actions. And so the second and third calls, it's really around how to deepen their adoption of that tool and deepen the things they're doing in the product, as opposed to just saying, hey, like, is it worth another conversation? Let's catch up. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. I mean, that's the worst thing to hop on a phone call, even as a salesperson, right? Like I, I was in SDR for a long time. I spent most of my career as a salesperson. Um, so, you know, I, I, from firsthand sort of experience it, it was never fun when you have to sit there and like really a try to educate them on that one specific question, which is mm-hmm. what, what do you even do? i see a lot of fancy like jargon on your website <laughs> and uh, trying to break through that. And then it's like, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see their face if, you know, if you're a virtual of course that did mostly inside sales and, um, and then be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not, it's not what we were looking for or, uh, or, you know, most of the conversation was trying to f- convey this abstract thing. Right. And so I think that, 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 that totally resonates with me as a, as a former salesperson, but also what I'm hearing in the market, right? You know, if you yeah. were to think about the this whole idea of when is the right time to bring in the salesperson for that sales assist uh, sort of uh, motion or or you know, aspect of the of the overarching motion, what's the sort of uh, what are those signals? Are like what's the formula mm-hmm. to figure out what works for y'all? Because I know like for one organization, it's different versus the other. That's a great question. And to be fair to your point, not only is it difficult for sales of what you just mentioned, it's really an idea for the buyer too. Like on the buying side of software, like getting on a sales call where you know you're being qualified and you're basically just going through either an SDR or a BDR's checkboxes to see if you can get passed off to an AE where you have like another sub-discovery call. Maybe you see the product in that call, maybe you don't. I think we're just evolving beyond that as a market. And we really are moving into a space and a sphere where we don't want to just buy from people we like and buy things that do what we're told. We want to buy from people that we trust. And in order to build that trust, people want to see it and want to feel it. And they want to dive into the product and know how it works instantaneously. And especially when you're moving so fast, people want to see what your value prop is immediately. So to your question, like when is the right time to have those conversations? You know, certainly at least within TrustPage, like we have multiple ways that we're driving those conversations either 
to that self-serve motion or to our sales assist motion. Like, of course, traditional things like MQLs or driving to sales assist. Uh, we also have sales uh, people that are doing active outbound prospecting. But even within those prospecting efforts and true always sales assist experiences, we're still leveraging PLG heavily as part of that sales assist process. But if we're looking at the pipeline of those that come through the self-serve motions, we actually um, have to give my growth manager, Devin, a massive shout out for this because she's been instrumental in building really sophisticated pipelines within our HubSpot. And so we score based off various behavior or activity of moments that we know really matter. So for us, certain things like, did they upload a resource? Did they approve suggestions that are AI created? Did they invite team members? And we've built really thorough models whereby we have onboarding workflows that will guide them through that journey. And at any step in that process, they can always reach out to us, which happens fairly frequently. And or we assign those leads to salespeople at varying steps in the process. But I think the key here is a lot of people in this conversation around where is the right place for sales assist, it tends to break down when they're routing the leads to the salespeople because you still have really sales emotions in place. So now you're taking a product person that didn't necessarily ask to talk to a salesperson. You're routing it to sales to engage because you know when sales nurtures, it has a higher conversion rate. But the key is you have to make sure that the sales actions and outreach still mirrors a product motion. So that's mm -hmm. where... I think we're starting to see more titles appear like customer evangelicalist or like adoption, or you have people that have that um, experience or at least minimally mindset for customer adoption and customer success doing really well in sales roles right now because they have the awareness and know-how to really drive the conversation. But they also know how, for example, when I reach out, it's not just Hey, I'm looking at your company size and I, I really want to talk to you and I'm using, you know, sales drivers. I'm looking in your activity and saying, Hey, it looks like you've done these three things. I would love to show you how doing these other three things will help you to better streamline reviews and move mm. through your security review process faster. And so when they get on the call, they're really acting truly like success agents or truly like people that are helping to drive deeper adoption of the product for this larger aspirational conversation. So I think it not only matters when you're routing those leads and that's a hot topic, but I also think it's not to be overlooked of what you're saying when you reach out to make sure the sentiment is still really there to drive product adoption and success. I love that. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because this new world, I believe at least for me, uh, makes me feel more comfortable about being a salesperson just because in the yeah. past, like I was trained to ABC, ABC, and I would see all the like, you know, like locker room, you know, I don't know, it's kind of culture, right? That thank God yep. has changed uh, or is in the process, I think, largely of changing. And it made me feel uncomfortable to just be focused on close, 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 ABC, 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 especially like, you know, I literally was a door-to-door -door salesperson in graduate school for Same. three years. <laughs> yeah. What would you sell? I have to ask. Books. It was literally like a, an education book. Was company, it Southwestern? Yes. <laughs> Me too. I sold Southwestern. That's amazing. Yeah. So you're a book kid. Yeah. Uh -huh. Book person, right? Um, so you know what I mean? Like it was like ABC, ABC. And I remember, you know, 20 minute close, the whole thing. And I sucked at that because I was like, no, I, I I just can't go in there for you know 20 minutes looking at my watch at the time, right? Right. Um and and be out. Like I needed to connect. I needed to really 
really, really dig into it and make sure that they were going to really see value from this thing. Obviously, it was the books, it was education, but like, would they really use it kind of thing? And I got to tell you, you know, I was a my, my first year, I was a top first year. Uh, but I didn't do it by volume. It actually, um, it was because I, uh, I had the only like one or two cancellations that entire summer, you know? And so uh, for me, it was like, it was actually quality and, uh, and sure. I didn't see as many families, uh, in one day. Uh, but I did, I did sure as hell like connect with them and make sure that, that I was truly being customer focused. And we, you know, we preach this customer focused stuff over and over and over and over. Right. But are we really being customer focused historically? Well, I think like these days we have to be and, and like the, the days of the, you know, I don't know. I don't want to like, I did play sports, but I did the, the analogy that comes to me is like that dumb jock, you know, where it's like, they're just brute forcing it through and, running fast and all that. Like, I, I think that goes away to us to an extent in moving forward where you really have to know what you're doing. You can't jump on and just be like, well, you know, click on the red, red button. And then whatever the website says we do right No, like I need to be able to provide solutions and expertise. And so I think that again, it's, it's moving in the right direction to improve that, that customer experience. So, uh, you know, wholeheartedly. I hope so. <laughs> Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, listen, like, I, I mean, I share the same sentiment, right? Like, and as a woman in sales specifically, like I've, it's never a culture that has made sense for me. And I never understand, you know, uh, sports references that are made in sales meetings. And so, yeah, I think it's what you bring up is really important too. And for the record, I would always get in trouble for spending far too long in family's living room. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. You know, I think what's, what's great about that and what I hear you talking about while you're explaining that is something I talk about often, which is like, what is really the role of sales and a sales assist motion then. And to me, it's like, you're really playing that role of storyteller, of educator. You're still playing a very consultative role, but to me, it's, it's really value alignment, right? You're selling on is what they what they need, what we actually do. And you have to really be able to have the technical aptitude to speak to that. And so I think it also shifts, at least for me, it has shifts the people that we look to hire in our sales teams as well, too. Um, I will say if you are a technical salesperson or a technically minded salesperson, like now is your time to mm -hmm. shine. Mm -hmm. I think everybody is really looking for those rock star people that are not afraid to get their hands in the product, that aren't afraid to utilize the solution um, that are excited about being able to dive into an instance of somebody's product or have all of the product data around usage and engagement piped into the tools they use and create segmentation and their outreach around things like that. And so I think those are also the type of people we'll see bringing on our teams more and more. Um, I've also heard a couple like podcasts and conversations around even the roles of things like SDRs and BDRs will still fundamentally in the core of what they do be similar, but it will be very nuanced in the way we go about the how. And so I think we're also starting to see a shift in not only the culture and the conversations and the role of sales, but who really sits in those roles, which, you know, I'll, I'll say nicely will be a welcome to change, I think, for a lot of us. So. <laughs> absolutely. You know, absolutely. And by the way, you're like my new best friend, by the way. Because, <laughs> you know, I, the, the, that door to door, I did, I sold books for three years and, uh, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a very interesting experience for me, but um, awesome. Well, just real quick, like, you know, it, it, talking about the, 
the early stage because you're at, I think you're at about like 20 folks or something like that yep, uh, yep. today. So how do you go to market, right? During the early days and do product market fit and et cetera, et cetera. But also at the same time, stay focused on being longer term product led, right? And, or, or just yeah. going out of the gate product led, but knowing that you got to do some manual, you know, unscalable stuff here in the short term, but not jeopardizing the product led motion, right? Ooh, such a good question. I would say about five times a day, I ask myself the question uh, on a light day, like, is this the most important thing for me to be focusing on? So there's that uh, first and foremost at a time where everything is important, everything matters and you want to do it all. What is the absolute most important thing to do? But I would say, you know, to your point, like you're going to do a lot of things in the beginning that aren't scalable until you understand the right motions to put in place. So I'll give you a tangible example. We just completely redid all of our backend infrastructure with our pipelines and HubSpot to make sure we're routing conversations to salespeople with prime opportunities at the right time, looking at the signals, looking at product behavior and usage. In order to do that, I literally personally reached out to about 100 our customers and did analysis on what they were doing in the product based off the data that we had. I would go to their website and I would see, okay, where are they in their evolution or maturation of the way they currently talk about security? Um, and I would personally reach out to those people and have those conversations. Similarly, you know, we decided that uh, we wanted to include, even for lower tier customers, our onboarding services, which we actually have a different type of role in success as well, too. We have what we call a trust advisor, because with our salespeople playing a little bit of that success role right now and identifying the opportunity, holding the account longer term, because they're really nurturing that kind of land and expand model throughout PLG, um, our trust advisor is really that expert in security that's acting as the onboarding guide. And so, for example, we're onboarding companies that, to be fair, I don't know if it makes sense for us to onboard some of our smaller 5K a year plans forever in perpetuity. But right now we're getting so much valuable feedback. We get more data in our system, which mm -hmm. fuels our models, and we understand deeply what's working, what's not. How do people engage with the tools? And we're really intelligent about the tool set that we use. I think that really matters from the beginning. So um, using something like Yoast tool is really, really important. Like having some way that's if you see like hesitation to sign up to the product, like how can you get them into the product as quickly as possible um, without them needing to have a full account and kind of go full PLG? Um, we also are utilizing really intelligent outbound signals. So that's a really strong motion for us as well, too, learning our ICP learning what works. I think the thing we always try to think about long-term is I, I have luckily for me, and this is not the case everywhere, I have a really, really solid product team. And so mm. you can work closely with your product team to deliver feedback on here's what people want to see from your quote unquote free platform or your trial or however you are implementing PLG. We believe that your customers should be able to see, feel, and interact with your full core feature functionality set. So I've seen other examples, or I've even been a purchaser of other products where it's sold to me as PLG, but you get on board and you like actually can't do the things you want or need. And we learned that early on too. We actually didn't always have pretty much everything open and available for our customers. Um, but we had a larger customer who came on board thinking that we didn't 
we weren't capable of really servicing their needs because it wasn't available to them in the free plan. We thought, oh, shoot, we have to change this. And that was really early on. And so now we've built a product where the free plan, like sure, there are features that are locked and reserved for some of our higher end paid plans. In addition to those like core features, we also have usage-based pricing like across the core functionality. And so I would say, one, it's really, really putting a lot of those scalable motions in place by learning and doing the crawl, walk, run approach as much as you can um, and doing things that aren't scalable in order to learn and build the process until you have enough data, using the right tool sets really early on to give you the data that you need, um, and then being really, really intelligent about the way that you go about putting those things together. So, Awesome. Well, Mara, I, I know we could probably talk for hours, um, I'm guessing here. Um, I, I did have some final questions just because, you know, we're both uh, members of Pavilion and, and I just been following your content too. And I was like, I, okay, I got to reach out. This is Thank you brilliant. for doing that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you mentioned that in one of the posts that you were now closing deals and I think 1.3 calls, um, yes. which, yes. you know, is, is, is awesome. Right. Yeah. And, and so my first question is like, how do you get there? I know this is a large, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> convoluted process, but if you had any like one or two tips that yeah. you can just give folks out there around getting to a point where I guess the overall theme is reducing the the sales cycle mm-hmm. uh, or accelerating, depending how you want to look at it, um, and using PLS or PLG. And then how do you like actually get to the point where you're able to get that data? Oh, that's a good question. So I'll speak for the how we accomplish that first. Um, So two things come to mind there. One, it's, as I mentioned earlier, you still want to make sure that even if you are doing sales assist, that that doesn't mean all of a sudden they've just totally escaped this product-led motion you have in place. You have to really find a way to layer your sales assist on top of your PLG. So what that looks like for me is even with an enterprise contract that's that's paying 30K plus and an ACV, not only are they going through our sales motions, but they're also continuing to get nurtured by our product-led growth pipeline too. So as I am having conversations with them, they are getting all of the onboarding cadences. And so more often than not, it kind of goes back to what I was just saying with making sure that your free version actually enables people to experience the fullness of your product. Because what happens for me is I'll have the first call and then I follow up immediately with, these are the things that we encourage you to do in the product to see and feel the deepening of the product interaction. Now, of course, those are curated to what we know will drive closer to that that infamous aha moment. But really what we see is in between that first and second call, they're already putting so much intentionality into building out what our product is, is the trust center that by the second call, they're already sold on the product and we're simply having conversations around how they leverage it within their organization. And so I would say that's a, that's a really big driver for us as well, too, is again, like going back to having that product piece in place and using the sales motions on top to guide back into the product at every touch point you can. Literally, it changes the game for how you follow up. You no longer have to say, hey, we haven't talked in two and a half weeks. Do you feel like regrouping again? Here are six reasons why we should. Now you're saying, hey, I saw you upload research. As I saw you do all these other things. I highly recommend making one of those things requestable so you can engage with customers in this way. Hey, I would love to show you a couple of tips and best practices for leveraging. And now you're really using the product to nurture your sales conversation. So 
that's first and foremost. Um, I'd say one other thing that's worth noting actually kind of goes in line with what we do. So it's funny you ask. So a big reason that a lot of PLG processes get disrupted and they move into longer, more extensive sales cycles is because it's not clear on how you are going to pass a buyer's security processes. So if I sign up for your product tomorrow, I might not be able to upload my data or integrate the tools you want me to until I actually know if you pass my security requirements, which is happening for a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. It used to be only enterprise. And now that's even small organizations want to know, what are you doing with my data? So Our tool is does exactly that. It helps companies speed up the process of building trust and streamlining security reviews by making that information self-serve. So I have to argue that that's a really big piece of why I've been able to close in the way that I do, because I can sell with security as early as that first conversation. So I would say it's a mix of you know using the product in the right way in this PLG capacity. But we have, you know, our experience here shows us that PLG is great. But trust actually unlocks your ability to do PLG. So unless people can trust you, they can't even engage in your PLG workflow. So that's how we get there. Mm. How we track it? Oh, that's a that's a whole so long, long. conversation. Maybe we can do a separate conversation on that. Um, so you know, one thing that came to mind, and I might write a blog post about this, is trust trust led growth, right? Oh, uh, I just did. You can read it. Oh, no so way. I will right. happily link you to it, but feel Please. free to write on it too. Please yeah, do. send it over um, <laughs> and uh, and I'll share it with the community. Thank and, you. Um, and then also, if you don't mind, I might steal some some uh, some concepts or it. borrow, I should say. <laughs> negative. Well, I mean, I, I think I would love for you to do that. I think, um, you know, it's it, it's it's really fun to see the ways that we get to surface trusted conversations mm-hmm. and leading with transparency. And I could go on and on about the ways oh, that yeah. Your sales cycle. So I'll save that one for the blog post, but all I right. Fair enough. <laughs> well, Mara, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat today. Folks want to follow you on social media. Uh, you obviously you're an expert at this and, um, and, and I'm going to be reaching out more to, to get you on if you're open to it, to some, some of the stuff we're doing in the, in the space, but what would be some good uh, URLs or social handles to reach you? Yeah, great question. Um, so first and foremost, our company is trustpage.com. So feel free to check out any of the content we're producing on trust-led growth. A lot of it lives on our blog right now. Um, and then I'm just Mara Williman on LinkedIn. So feel free to hang out with me there. I'm also in product-led communities and pavilion communities. So you can you can find me around. I'm not hard to find. And I'm a first and last name Twitter follow. So I'm, I hang out there too. Awesome. Well, have a wonderful, wonderful day. We're actually going to be doing an event uh, with the pre-sales collective. So maybe it's actually, I think it's probably pretty relevant. Uh, So I'll send you the information. We'd love to see if you can drop by. The pre-sales collective is going to be, I think, March 30th uh, in Denver. I believe you're in Denver, right? I am. Yeah. Perfect. I'm going to see if I can try to try to get out there, but, uh, um, but thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful uh, Friday and uh, yeah, for, from book person to book person, <laughs> congratulations! <laughs> Thank you so much, George. Have a great weekend. Right. Thanks for this time. Thank you.